Hello, and welcome to Out of the Box Sunday School. I am Takia Evans, and happy Easter to everyone. Thanks for taking the time to tune in. This week's Sunday School lessons background is Mark uh, chapter 16 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The title of today's lesson is Resurrection Hope. Our printed text comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 8, 12 through 14, 20 through 23, and then 42 through 45. Not that you should be skipping over the whole chapter because I'm a, I'm asking you to go ahead and go back and read the whole chapter. So with our title of Resurrection Hope, and it is Easter Sunday. So we all know what that is, Resurrection Sunday. So we live and breathe to be resurrected, but we got to have hope. So we know that that great old song that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's hold to that today. So prior to this challenging time, you know, we've all been able to celebrate life, those life-changing events with others. And, uh, you know, we would create the space, have the venue, have the food, and we would also spend that time with others on that special day. So today is not just any other special day. Today is Resurrection Sunday. And so we should find ways to share with others. So we're praying with them. We're going to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we get into our lesson today, throughout the, uh, the first Corinthians, Paul deals with issue after issue. And in the 15th chapter of Corinthians, Paul explains the significance of Christ's resurrection. Now, this lesson clarifies the meaning of the resurrection. It identifies those that have witnessed the resurrection, what the resurrection guarantees, and what it promises. So, as we get into this lesson, I'll be reading the majority of our text from the Contemporary English Version in Interconfessional. Now, many people that have attended my Sunday school class at Morning Chapel Semi Church here in Fort Worth, Texas, knows that I like plain old English. So bear with me if you like your King James Version or some other version, but I like to deal with plain old English because guess what? I am out of the box. So let's begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. It reads, my friends, I want you to remember the message I preached and that you believed and trusted. You will be saved by this message if you hold firmly to it. But if you don't, your faith was all for nothing. I tell you the most important part of the message exactly as it was told to me. This part is Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures say. He was buried and three days later, he was raised to life as the scriptures say. So the beginning of the chapter introduces Paul's concern and lays the foundation for the argument he develops in the verse that follows. So there were some in the Corinthian church who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Paul had to remind them of the gospel or this good news, which he says, my friends, I want you to remember the message. So that's the good news. He wants us to remember that message. And so the people of Corinth owned their existence as a community of the faith to the gospel he brought to them. He warns them if they do not 
or cannot hold on to the same gospel or this word that's been saving them, then their faith is in jeopardy of being ineffective and producing no fruit. We don't want that. We want to be good producers of fruit. So then Paul says, what he presents is the basics of this gospel, of this message. And it's three points. He said it exactly. Jesus died, was buried, and the third day he rose. And this was all in accordance with the scripture. So if we go back to verses four, three and four, at the very end, he specifies that as the scriptures say. So then Paul highlights the elements of the gospel message that are critical to the church and its health and vitality. So the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus are presented as an objective uh, reality. This is reality. And within all of that, there is a grace and there were witnesses. Uh, It is not merely a spiritual phenomenon. This is something that just didn't happen to happen. Um, But it is bigger than that. It was more than that. And so Paul supports all of this through the scriptures. And uh, though Paul doesn't indicate specifically what scriptures, I'm going to drop you a few nuggets here and leave you with some things and some references. Um, One being Psalm 69, verse 9, chapter 69, verse 9. Elijah, I'm sorry, Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 4 through 12. Hosea, chapter 6, 2 through 3. And Jonah chapter 1, 17, verse 17. And then, of course, there are some others. And so when we get down to the next part of our lesson, those next few scriptures, uh, chapter 15, verses 5 through 8, they read, Christ appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. After this, he appeared to more than 500 other followers. Most of them are still alive, but some have died. He also appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. Finally, he appeared to me, even though I am like someone who was born at the wrong time. So now we're here in our lesson of Paul going from clarifying the resurrection to naming these witnesses, uh, the people that were there, those who saw. So Paul states that Peter and the 12 can attest to the validity of what Paul is claiming, that Jesus rose, he was resurrected. And the 12 disciples had an uh, especially close relationship with Jesus. And so they had that special role in found the founding of the church. So not only that, Paul continues to build more street cred with the people of the uh, of the church so that they know, hey, he knows what he's talking about These because these people are credible. And so with that, he listed more witnesses, more uh, testimonies of believers. And so Paul affirms that Jesus was seen by a number of people in a variety of settings after the resurrection with more than 500 believers. Uh, many of the witnesses were still alive at the time of Paul's writings and their accounts can be verified by someone else. And so he also um, listed 
even to build on to that credibility, he he listed he listed James, who is Jesus's half brother, which is uh, giving again more credibility to uh, clarifying that Jesus did die, he was buried, and he rose again, and and just because you know he 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 specified James, his half brother, giving more. Uh, validity to what he and the proof that he's trying to 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 give to the church because James was a major influence with the church due to the fact of the nature he had and the relationship we had with Jesus. And so then Paul also mentions that there were other apostles who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus uh, or after the afterlife. So the 12 apostles were mentioned in verse five. But Paul is also referencing to others outside of the 12 who had been commissioned to represent Christ. Then finally, Paul mentions himself as an eyewitness. Although he had not lived and journeyed with Jesus, he too had been chosen when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Paul was someone who was spiritually dead and therefore unfit to be an apostle because he had persecuted believers, but God saw fit. He gave him grace yet and still to make uh, Paul a witness. And Paul mentions this as a response to those who are trying to question his authority, like, hey, dude, why do you get to be the messenger here? Um, But he wanted to let them know I was chosen, Um, not in the very beginning, but I have been chosen later and God saved me. He saw fit that I was able to to, to be a witness as well. Then we get into what is guaranteed um, by the resurrection of Christ. What is the guarantee here? When we look at verses 12 through 14, it tells us if we preach that Christ has, ri- has raised, was raised from the dead, how can some of you say the dead will not be raised to life? If they won't be raised to life, Christ himself wasn't raised to life. And if Christ wasn't raised to life, our message is worthless. So is our faith. So in this group of passage of of scripture, Paul is making a really big statement to the Corinthians about the resurrection that it demonstrated over and over in the New Testament. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is at the core of the gospel of Christ. Paul and the apostles are persecuted, persecuted for preaching the resurrection. So Paul addresses the fact that there was a division among the Jews about whether or not there is a resurrection from the dead. The Pharisees believed that there was a resurrection from the dead, but the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. So Paul is asserting that the resurrection of all people will happen because the resurrection of Christ happened. So Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And because he was, we can place our faith in him. Without the resurrection, there is no hope for our resurrection. And Jesus could be treated just as like any other prophet or even worse. But because Jesus was resurrected, we have a hope of life after death and our preaching has power. So when we look at the topic here and our subject is resurrection hope. So with the 
the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know we have hope. We know that we have the ability for our lives to get better, especially during this time when we're dealing with um, with the COVID-19. We know that there's hope. We know that there's possibility of a new life and to continue on even after this life, even after we make it out of COVID-19. We know that we will be better people. We know that we will still be able to live through these life-changing uh, events. Then we get to uh, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verses 20 through 23. It reads, but Christ has been raised to life and he makes us certain that others will be raised to, are also raised to life. Just as we will die because of Adam, we will be raised to live because of Christ. Adam brought death to all of us and Christ will bring life to all of us. But we must each wait our turn. Christ was the first to be raised to life and the people will be raised to life when he returns. So here, um, Paul is trying to emphasize the benefits of the resurrection to the believers. Christ did not conquer death only for himself. Yes, he was the first who really died, but his resurrection ensures that all who believe in him shall have eternal life. And to illustrate this truth, Paul compares Jesus to Adam. And I know this, I had to read this a couple of times and try to figure this out. Um, and, and I'm hoping that in that I, you know, have a better understanding of why the comparison. So just as Adam brought death for all of us, Jesus brought eternal life for those who believe in him. And this was Christ's sole purpose uh, the whole time. The father sent him so that those who believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that scripture, John three sixteen. So Jesus Christ was, was uh, resurrected first so that all who belong to him might be resurrected as well. So that those things that are dead and dormant in our lives, that we can actually live, we can actually be a part of those things. And then that's the guarantee. Then that the, the last section of this is about the promise. You know, we, we like promises. We like when people hold to their promises. And this is one of the things that you know, when trusting in God and trusting our faith, we have to believe that at the end, there's a promise. There's a promise for us. There's a promise of life, uh, of a better life for those who believe in Jesus Christ. So we get to verses 42 through 45. And just as a reference, you're going to have to go back to verse 35 in this, just because it asks, it answers a question. That's how it will be when our bodies are raised to life. These bodies will die, but the bodies that are raised will live forever. These ugly and weak bodies will become beautiful and strong as surely as there are physical bodies, there are spiritual bodies. And our physical bodies will be changed into spiritual bodies. The first man was named Adam and the scriptures tell us that he was a living person. But Jesus, who may be called the last Adam, is a living, as a life-giving spirit. So the push in this section of scripture is to answer the question that was raised in verse 35, which was, 
Some of you have asked, how will the dead be raised to life? What kind of bodies will they have? It's been answered here. They're using various examples from agricultural to animal world and to the heavenly body. So Paul explains one central point. The resurrection body is going to be different from the present body. Paul is also emphasizing that the resurrection is not simply a rule, but the foundation of Christian faith. So, you know, many of us like to follow rules and many of us don't. But here, the resurrection is not a just it just it's not just the rule. It's the root of our Christian foundation. And Paul's argument is that although human lives are subject to death and the body will disintegrate, it will decay, it will decompose. Note that this is not the end of the story. After death, there is continuity rather than a conclusion. Hear me say that. After death, there is continuity rather than a conclusion. Just like when we read a book, you know, we can when we conclude a sentence, we conclude our, you know, term papers and things like that. There's no conclusion after death. There's only continuation, continuity, forward motion, more things to come. And to to run out Paul's or to round out Paul's argument concerning the physical and spiritual distinctions between the present body and the resurrection body, he mentions Adam. And Adam was back in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. So with Adam, we all know that he was a living soul. He represented the source of the present body. And that subject, you know, his body or Adam's body or the present body is subject to all kinds of pain and suffering, um, happiness and gladness and all those emotions and feelings where Adam, you know, he's that natural. He represented that natural body here. Jesus, on the other hand, is identified as the last Adam who was made a life giving spirit. Jesus is not just a living spirit, but a life impacting spirit. And Paul is placing that emphasis so that we understand that he is a giver of life. He's a giver of our spirit. And in contrast to the first Adam, Jesus is the life-giving source of the spiritual body in which saints are raised at resurrection. So when we think about, think outside of the box. Think outside of your normal way of thinking about the resurrection. What is today? What is Easter Sunday or that resurrection Sunday? What does it really mean to you? What resurrection has God performed in your life? What has what what life changing event has happened that God has been a part of? And one quick quote from Paul uh, Chappelle, because of Jesus' resurrection, we can have peace during even the most troubling of times because we know he is in control of all what happens in the world. So let's keep that in mind as we go through uh, these different times, the different things that we're having to do with the social distancing, with the working from home, with the not being able to see our friends and family. 
on a daily basis or when we even want to. So let's keep that in mind that he is always in control of what happens in the world. And I want to say thank you for joining me in this Sunday school lesson. Hope you had a good few little takeaways. And to each of you out there, happy Easter.